Hey, this is Emmanuel Barbari from Fordham University and WFUV, and you're listening to the On the Board Sports Podcast. You can it on the board. Yes. And welcome back to another edition of the On the Board Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Thomas, a.k.a. Shawnee on the mic. Happy Tuesday to all. As always, joined by my main man, my co-host, William Cherucci, a.k.a. Will C. Will, happy Tuesday, pal. How are you doing, man? You, you already know what I'm going to say. Every day feels like a Sunday. So that's first and foremost. But I'm doing all right. I can't complain. Hanging in for the most part. Uh, this quarantine is just about almost over. But, you know, who knows what's going what's gonna to happen from here on out. But, Sean, we have a very special guest with us. Joining us from Denver, Colorado, is the one and only Matt Babcock from Babcock Hoops. Matt, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate you. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thank you for making some time, Matt. Matt, uh, before we start, how are you, family? How is everybody doing during this whole uh, um, uh, corona stuff, man? You know, I mean, we're doing fine, you know, considering the circumstances. Obviously, everybody's getting a little stir crazy, but we're, uh, you know, we're healthy and, you know, we're getting a lot of time together, so that's that's good. That's good. That's good, Matt. Matt, how did you get started up in, in basketball, number one? And number two, what you're doing right now, how did how did that begin as well? Well, it's kind of a long story, but I'll, I'll try and make it quick. Uh, so first of all, I was born into a basketball family. Uh, my dad, my, my two uncles have all worked in the NBA for a long time. And uh, you just kind of grew, grew up in the business. Um, and then, I, you know, I was a player. I uh, played at junior college in Florida, uh, ended up walking on at University of Arizona, and I, I knew I always wanted to work in basketball. And when I first got out of college, I kind of just needed to jump at you know, the best opportunities within the industry, and um, you know, they happened to be in the sports agency business, and I kind of just fell in, into being a sports agent, did that for about 11 years, and uh, decided I want to get a little bit closer back to my uh, family roots, got out of that business, started scouting, um, you know, started doing some stuff for Sports Illustrated, uh, again, to make a long story short, I decided to do all those things under my own umbrella. And so I created Babcock Hoops and uh, here I am. And so we cover the draft. We, you know, sort of do a number of different things within basketball. But, you know, our main emphasis is covering the NBA draft. Matt, I know that you've also represented uh, uh, players as well. Um, during your time doing that, how was that? Because I know when you're trying to negotiate things, it could go good and it could go bad. So during your time uh, doing that, um, how did that go for you? Well, you know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I did for 11 years. I worked for a number of different agencies. I mean, I worked for some of the biggest agencies in the world. I've done some startup agencies. I've kind of seen it from every, every single angle practically. And, um, you know, just very much like that side of the business is very much a, a emotional roller coaster. You have your highs and you have your lows. Uh, but it is, uh, it's definitely interesting day in, day out. And uh, I mean, to kind of sum it up quickly, it, it'd be you know, nearly impossible, but just, you know, again, extremely emotional business, high, you know, highs and lows, uh, crazy roller coaster. Can you talk to us about some of the players that you had under your belt? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, when I was younger, you know, I worked for some of the bigger, bigger hitter agencies. And, um, you know, when I really kind of stepped in my own is doing some stuff on, you know, um, you know, legitimate agent work. I, I partnered up with an agent named David Bauman, and we had sort of a, a boutique setup, but we had some really good players. We had Ron Artest in his prime, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously now Meta World Peace, Paige Stoyakovich, Andrew Bogut. Uh, we had about 10 guys. Uh, that was really where I, you know, sort of, you know, kind of really getting into the mix of like handling guys day-to-day business and dealing with some, some pretty big name guys. Well said. Matt, um, I know you, as you, um, and as you said, uh, U of A, they have a storied um, of a college uh, basketball school. Could you uh, talk about your time there and just talk about the school as itself? Because when you think of uh, um, uh, college troops, especially on the West Coast, U of A is obviously amongst one of the top schools. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of what happened was I was, I was a pretty good high school player, but I I'd switched schools a couple times and uh, my AU situation was a little screwy. And so I, I felt like my recruitment wasn't as high as it, as it could be. And so I kind of passed some offers for some like low and mid D1 uh, schools to, to go to a junior college. Gets, I was pretty skinny to get stronger, kind of get some you know, more exposure and hopefully improve my stock. Uh, when I went to the school in Florida, uh, I hurt my knee uh, and I missed my entire freshman year. And it kind of shot my recruiting. Uh, I decided to go back for my sophomore year uh, and, and re-injured my knee again. Um, and at that point, I decided, okay, you know what? I'm probably not playing the NBA. You know, I'm probably not going to have a successful professional career. Uh, you know, why don't I you know, get into a big program and uh, you know, kind of network a little bit, get exposure to, to sort of how a big program works, and it could lead me into a, a career working, working in basketball. Uh, so I chose to go to University of Arizona because they showed interest in bringing me on. And I grew up in Arizona. So, I mean, you grew up in Arizona, you know, I mean, Lou Olson was king. That basketball program was, was as good as it gets. And so I had an opportunity to go there, and I, I did it. And it was, uh, it was a great experience. Matt, as I was reading your bio, it said that you were an assistant coach over in Italy overseas. Talk, talk to us what that was like. Yeah, so, uh, you know, when I left the University of Arizona, my first job was with Wasserman Media Group. At the time, it was the biggest sports agency in all of sports. Uh, but my, 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 you know, my mindset was to, you know, keep on a direct basketball path. I wanted to be a coach at that point. And so I, I, the job was with an agency, but I was doing pre-draft workouts uh, for all of their clients with Dave Yeager, uh, who's now a former NBA coach. At the time, he was a D-League coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he and I handled all the pre-draft workouts. Um, I think they had seven first-round picks that year. And then from there, it was just like a summer internship. Uh, so when that ended, I was looking for, for jobs. And I, I took a job with Virtus Bologna, a uh, pro team in Italy. Uh, went there, you know, I was 20, I think 22 years old as an assistant coach for one of the best teams in Europe. And uh, it, was a, it was a very interesting experience. I mean, living in Italy, li- living in Europe, um, it's just the, the actual job part of it. I just, I don't know. I, I kind of came, came to reality that maybe I didn't want to be into coaching. Um, and, and just being overseas, being away from home, I, I got a little homesick, truth be told. <laughs> and I, so I ended up taking a, a, a job with, with a, an agency, uh, Excel Sports Management. And that's really where my agent career started. But uh, my, my coaching career was short-lived. Matt, so you talk about the 2020 NBA draft. I mean, we don't know when the draft is going to take place because of everything that is uh, going on. I feel like there is a consensus top three amongst who could be the first pick, Anthony and Edwards, LaMelo Ball, LaMelo Ball and uh, obviously James uh, Wiseman. When you look at those three guys, it's almost like uh, take your pick from what you know and from what you've seen from those uh, the three guys. What do you think of those three guys specifically possibly being the first pick? Yeah, I mean, they're all talented players. I mean, I think this year's draft is pretty interesting. There, there's a lot of parity towards the top. Uh, actually, I would throw Obi Toppin in there. I think, 
Anyeke Kungwu is right there, Denny Abdia, Killian Hayes. I mean, the, you know, there's a, there's a pretty solid group of guys that are, are pretty close that, you know, you could debate, you know, who, who, you know, in which order they would be in. Um, I think this year's NBA lottery is going to be very interesting because it could really shake things up as far as where some of these guys go. Um, and, you know, none of these guys are flawless. There's, there's no LeBron James in this draft. There's no, you know, Zion Williamson where like, hey, this guy is clear cut our number one guy, regardless of which team's picking. Um, and so, I mean, I think it's all pretty close. They all have really interesting aspects to them, uh, but they all have some question marks too, you know, and so it kind of makes it an interesting debate, you know, as far as the, how, how do you put these guys in order? And, um, you know, as far as how I'm doing, I, I actually don't even do a big board of rankings. Uh, I, I do positional rankings and then I pretty much look at each team and figure out what their priorities would be with this list of guys. And it really can, can change from, from team to team, depending on, you know, the style of play, you know, what other players they have, you know, in, in, in house already. Uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely an interesting and unique year as far as hey, where are these guys going to, going to land. As far as overseas prospects go, you mentioned Killian Hayes and, even though LaMelo Ball is a United States product, he went over to Australia and he's killing it over in Australia right now. Who is the best international prospect in your eyes? Well, um, I think Denny Abdia from Israel. I, I would probably put him slightly ahead of Killian Hayes, at least in my book. Um, you know, he's a really good player. Six foot nine, point forward, very versatile. Um, you know, I think he, he's got a chance. I mean, if things were to click, he could end up being a pretty big time player. Uh, Killian Hayes is right there too. And uh, after that, um, you know, obviously Lamelo Ball. If you consider him an international player, uh, you know he's he's right there with Denny. I think he and Denny are probably head to head. And uh, R.J. Hampton's, you know, close to that. He, he also played in Australia. Um, but you know, a good group of guys, inter, you know, international players this year in the first round. Uh, however, in the second round, there's not quite as many options for like draft and stash type players. So the depth isn't great, but there is some star power with with international players. Matt. We're starting to see the best high school guys not go to school. They're opting to go to the uh, G uh, League and get paid and start their professional um, careers there. How do you think that will play out in terms of how people rate and cover the prospects? Because now they're not playing against an 18, uh, the 19, 20 year old kids. They're playing against grown men, depending uh, on the team. Yeah, I mean, I, I like it. You know, I mean, I think there's a lot of questions still, you know, to be unanswered, you know, as far as the protocols that this G League system is going to, you know, put in place. Uh, but assuming that they've got their ducks in a row and that these guys are going to develop properly and, um, you know, on the court and physically and, and mentally, um, you know, as long as those things are in place, I think it could be a good thing, an outlet for some of these top guys uh, to make some legitimate money, um, you know, this first year instead of going to college. And they don't have to go, you know, across the world and play in Australia. And, you know, with that, from an evaluation standpoint, you know, it's, it's easy for us to get to L.A., you know what I mean? And so, you know, assuming that we're going to have full access and that NBA teams have full access to these kids, uh, I'm, I'm happy about it. I think it's going to be a good thing. And, uh, you know, naturally with these four guys that are signed up for it, they're, they're, they're somewhat of guinea pigs. There, there's no way around it. But uh, uh, I'm hopeful that it's going to be a positive situation for the players and, and for guys like me and NBA teams. Matt, you mentioned the second round before and how there's no really draft or stash type of players in there. Who could be that diamond in the rough player for any NBA team to go out there and pick from? Who could that, who could that diamond in the rough be 
Well, there, there's, three, there's three guys in my book um, that I kind of see as, you know, maybe not getting enough attention uh, that, that if they were to be in the second round, I think could be slam dunk guys is that they're all, they're all a little bit older. It's uh, so Elijah Hughes from Syracuse. Uh, I think he's a guy that could step in and contribute right away. Uh, Jalen Harris, the junior at Nevada combo guard, uh, same story with him. And then the, the last guy is uh, Malachi Flint from San Diego state. I think all of these guys could be really good second round picks if they were to slip to the second round. Uh, just because they are a little bit more mature, they're closer to being finished products, and you know I think they could you know be high value picks because they could step in and, and contribute for a team day one, which you know I think should serve a lot of value to to certain teams. Matt, when you look at the way the NBA is being played now, teams are starting to have players that are six six play the four, that are six seven and six eight playing the five. I, the guy that I was really looking forward to seeing play this year was James. Uh, Heisman, but we saw uh, what happened to him. When he gets into the league, how do you see him fitting into the way the game is played now? Because he's like seven feet, seven one. The wing, the wingspan is like seven nine. How do you see him playing into the league now when the league is kind of going to the six eight guys and the six nine guys playing the five? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the Rockets playing P.J. Tucker at the five kind of threw a curveball at the whole league, right? And um, I, I personally don't think it's going to go extreme. I, I think there could be certain spots, certain coaches uh, that go with some extreme lineups. Uh, but I, I do think, uh, you know, James is not going to have a problem at all. I mean, he, he, you know, he's huge. He's seven foot plus, like you mentioned, uh, but he moves, the, he moves very well. He's a very fluid athlete. Um, and, and, he, and he, he's capable of stretching the floor a little bit too. So I, I actually think he's a guy that is going to be able to fit in you know, pretty well right off the bat. And um, I, I think, you know, his game offensively can be simple, but effective. You know I mean? He could do, um, you know, pick and roll, you know, be a pick and roll option, do rim running, you know, pr protect the rim, rebound. But then he also could step out and hit a wide open shot. And so it's like, I think he's going to be able to, to get buckets without it being a real complicated game. Um, and he doesn't need any plays run for him. And so um, I, I think he's, I think he's going to be, be a nice fit for somebody uh, right away. Um, and, and, you know, the other part of it too is with a lot of the, the teams kind of setting themselves up to, to switch everything on defense and going a little bit more small ball, it's opening opportunities for guys that, you know, big guys that are able to move their feet defensively, but can be a force offensively in the low block. I think there's going to be some mismatch opportunities. And so uh, the guy that comes to mind there would be Onyeka Okungwu, who, who's a pretty athletic kid that defensively uh, can give you some rim protection, give you some size and physicality, uh, but he's going to be a problem on the block if you if you put an undersized guy on him. So I, I do think that's going to be somewhat of a trend going back the other way of there might be some low post uh, you know scoring opportunities for guys that haven't been there quite as much the last couple of years. Matt, over the past couple of years, we've been seeing a lot of one and done kids coming through, physically gifted kids, but when they come into the league, there's a lot, there's a huge pressure coming on them into the league and seeing. Uh, what's going on, what le what teams expect them and everything like that. And then sometimes, you know, you hear fans going out there talking about bust, bust, bust. My question for you is when it comes to the mental side of things for a player, uh, what, what do you look for as far as the mental side of, of a player here? You know, I think, uh, I think each prospect is different. You know, I kind of look at it, try to look at it as much as in an isolated situation as possible. Um, some, some guys are, are a little bit, you know, late bloomers more so than others. And so you really got to kind of look at each player, where they at, you know, from a maturity standpoint, physically, mentally, uh, you know, how, how far along are they as far as understanding of the game, 
uh, again, each player is completely different. I, I kind of just look at it case by case. Matt, so as we know, college ball, you got the powerhouse schools, Kentucky, Duke, UCLA, Cuse, so on and so forth. But a lot of times it's the players from the smaller known schools that sometimes make a team and you don't see these guys coming out of uh, nowhere. Are there any smaller school guys like D1AA, D2 guys that you see that can, one, make a team and two, actually have like a long uh, uh, sustained uh, career? Well, I mean, for one, I mean, I think Obi Toppin would fit that, right? You know, I mean, obviously he's, he's not a secret anymore, but, um, you know, played a date and, you know, we'll talk about, you know, he's maybe the ultimate late bloomer. I mean, he grew all, you know, a, a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of the last few years and, and he's really kind of still coming in, into his six, nine frame now. Uh, and so, I mean, he's at Dayton and I mean, I think he's got a chance to be one of the top few picks and he, he's could be a guy that could be, a, you know, one of the top players on the team next year. Uh, some other guys, I mean, uh, Jay Scrub is, is coming from a junior college. Uh, and he's a guy that I think is going to be a legitimate option in the second round uh, that's got a lot of upside. Uh, that, that, those are the two names that come to mind off of that. Do you see high school players getting drafted within the next couple of years? I know the NBA CBA is going to expire at the end of the 2024 season, but do you see NBA, do you see high school players coming back in uh, and getting drafted right out of high school? You know, I'm not certain. I mean, obviously there's a lot of whispers and rumblings going on as far as, you know, what's going to happen with the age limit and what's going on with the G League. Uh, I mean, I would like to see it where you had all 30 NBA teams have their own G League affiliates. I think we just got a couple teams that are still needing to, to kind of jump in on that. Um, and you know, at that point, I mean, I think you would have flexibility to kind of make it a little bit more of a, you know, a pro baseball type setup where you can draft guys' rights and they don't play in the majors right away. Um, I think that would be an interesting, you know, uh, route for the NBA to take. I, 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 Honestly, don't have uh, insider information on that, though. Gotcha, gotcha. Gotcha. Matt, um, did you get a chance to watch uh, The Last Dance? And if you did, what were your thoughts on The Last Dance? Well, I mean, not only did I watch it, I watched it twice. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> it, it, it was amazing. So, I, I mean, I grew up I grew up with Jordan. I mean, that, that was my guy, you know. And so that's who I looked up to. He was probably – uh, not even the most influential basketball player for me, but probably the most influential person ever in my life, you know, and uh, you know, his, his, his work ethic, his killer instinct. Um, it, it was just awesome. I, I got to watch it with my wife who, who didn't really grow up being much of a basketball fan and kind of like letting her know of like, you know, I am, I, I am certain ways because of Jordan, you know, I kind of look at things in a certain way. Cause I mean, that's what we grew up with watching him and idolizing him and um, that team in general is just, you know, it, it was just a lot of fun to, to kind of relive a lot of that and, and kind of have them peel back the curtain and sort of see the inside of, of it, too. Matt, so far throughout your basketball career, you've coached overseas, you've scouted out many players through the NBA draft, and you're an agent. What has been your favorite moment thus far in, in the life of Matt Babcock? Uh, you know, I, I really like what I'm doing right now. You know, I mean, I've had, I've had a number of, uh, you know, great moments and, you know, representing players where, you know, you, you recruit a guy, which is, a, you know, entirely competitive cutthroat type deal, uh, which is, you know, when you get the, the news that a, a good player is wanting to sign with you, you put a plan in place, um, you know, and that plan works and the, and the player succeeds. That's very fulfilling, but I, I really truly like what I'm doing now. And I, I get a thrill every time I walk into an arena for a big game and uh, I get to evaluate these players. And it's just, you know, day in, day out, just, uh, you know, watching basketball, talking basketball, networking. Uh, life's good right now. I, you know, I, I would say 
um, everything I'm doing with Babcock Hoops is, is, is sort of the best, best part of my career. Matt, to piggy off of that, if you can, take me, take me and Will behind the scenes of what is a Matt Babcock day like at uh, Babcock Hoops when you're watching film or breaking down these guys? What is a day in the life for you when it comes to this time of year? I mean, obviously right now, everything's a little bit different. We're in quarantine and lockdown. And so, I mean, I'm watching a lot of film. Uh, you know, I'm talking on the phone quite a bit, just talking to agents and players and parents and NBA, NBA executives. Uh, so doing a lot of intel work right now, just kind of get, trying to get a lay of the land of, you know, what, what all these players are about. Um, and then just watching film, talking to my staff about, you know, guys that they're watching and what they're hearing. Uh, but, you know, usually it's a, it's a pretty good balance of all days where, uh, you know, I'm doing those types of things, but I'm also traveling quite a bit going to different games, going to, you know, uh, this time of year would be, you know, a agent workouts where I kind of pop in, see guys work out, talk with everybody. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, every day is, is sort of uh, an interesting adventure because it's just, you know, the combination of like doing office work and traveling quite a bit. And I'll go to high school events too. And so, I mean, it's, it's really, you know, it's really a fun, a fun job what I'm doing now because I've got ultimate flexibility to go see whoever I want to see. Um, and, and we've got in Babcock Hoops to a certain point of credibility where I get credentialed everywhere and it's just sort of have a, a lot of access. And so uh, every day is a little bit different, but just watching a lot of basketball, talk a lot of basketball, and uh, again, just having a lot of fun. Matt, with everything that's gone on throughout this whole coronavirus, we mentioned the, the draft earlier, but the playoffs now in this situation, there's talk about the 24 teams coming in and having a playing round and then doing that up. There's also been the best 16 teams that are going out there and playing uh, in, in the playoffs just like that. Uh, no regular season coming back at all whatsoever. My question is for you, uh, what, what do you think of the whole playoff format going into this year since this is all special in, in this uh, regard? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm hoping that they don't have all the teams play. I mean, I think if you have the Warriors and the Hawks playing, it's just it's kind of a waste of time for all those people. Uh, so if they go to, you know, wh whether they do the 16 or doing, a, you know, an increased uh, amount of teams uh, for the playoffs, I, I'm really excited about it. And, I mean, I, I'm sure a, a part of, like, the driving force there is to get John Moran and Zion Williamson as a part of this. Uh, I, I know I'll be tuning into those games because, I mean, I um, – those guys alone, I mean, can, can, you know, make an effect on a playoff series. I mean, I think it's interesting at this point, you know, John Morant's not even really a rookie anymore. Right. And so now right. you've got a, a second year guy that's stepping into the playoffs that can make a major impact. Uh, and then you got a, a new Orleans team who, you know, who did really well this year without Zion. He's, you'd think he's hundred percent now. And so now all of a sudden you got two threats that aren't pegged as, as uh, top eight teams in the West that could, could, could create some problems from, for those top teams. Matt, have you ever rated a player high that necessarily didn't pan out in the in the league? And have you ever rated a player not so high that end up exceeding what you thought he would do? Um, I mean, I one example that comes to mind is I, I was lower on Brandon Clark last year. Uh, you know, it was with, with the Grizzlies. Um, he just didn't do it for me at Gonzaga. I thought he was undersized. I didn't think he had much of a, much of a game and, and he's done really well early. And so, um, you know, I, I definitely was wrong on him. Uh, that, that's the one name that comes to mind. And I'm sure there's plenty of others on, on both sides of the spectrum, but like, that's the one name that, you know, from last year that, that I definitely, uh, I, I missed on. As far as powerhouse high schools go in the nation, right? You still got, you still got Christ the King, 
in Queens, being the top basketball school in all of Queens and, you know, all over the, all over the country, you have top powerhouse schools. What would be your top five as far as top powerhouse high schools for basketball? Oh boy. I don't even know. I mean, I, you know, I go, I go to these events. I, I don't keep it as, as firm a pulse on the high school stuff quite, quite as much right. as college and the NBA. Um, I, I, I wouldn't have a good answer for you. <laughs> okay. Fair. Matt, Matt, my final question for you is who is the, who, like when you've finished grading a player, who was the highest rated player that you ever graded so far since you've been doing all of what you've been doing? Well, I mean, I've only been doing the, the, the formal scouting with Babcock Hoops. And, and, and once I'm out, I've been outside the agency business just for a few years now. Um, I mean, I probably Zion. I mean, last year I, I had Zion pegged as like the number one guy early. Um, and he just, you know, I already had him at top, at the top and he, he increased on my board <laughs> throughout the year, just like he did with everybody else. And so, I mean, um, yeah, he's, he's one of the best prospects I've, I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I actually, I played against LeBron when he was in high school. Um, and so, I mean, I got to see him kind of coming up. Obviously, I think Zion's kind of put into that same unique category, not saying he's going to be on the LeBron James level throughout the course of his career, but as far as the hype going into the draft and all that, I mean, Zion's definitely one of those generational type talents. Uh, and I was actually, I was at the ACC tournament um, and he was just coming off that injury where he blew out his shoe and all that. And they, he came back in the game. It was, uh, it was Duke UNC. And I had great seats for that game. And he was unbelievable. One, one of the best performances I'd ever seen. Just, I mean, physically, uh, athletically, he's just like, he's just like an alien, man. Like where, where did this guy come from? Right. Um, I, I, I put Zion as, as the top rate guy I've, I've ever personally evaluated. And the fact that he's doing all of this and he's like 300 pounds, like right. this guy could jump out of the gym at sure. 300 pounds. And I mean, of course, I, you know, there, there certainly is, is concern with him keeping his body, uh, you know, in, in shape and make sure he stays healthy. Uh, but if he does, I mean, he, that guy has a problem. He definitely is. He definitely is. <laughs> well, Matt, my final question, this is a two-part question for you. Number one, when you were an agent, right, what goes into the negotiation of a contract for an NBA player, number one? And number two, when you're scouting an NBA player, what, what do you look for? Whether it be, you know, scouting for the, next, for the next talent in the draft or going out there and actually scouting a game, what, what, what do you look for in, in, in a player? Well, I mean, for, first off, with the, with the negotiation, sort of the protocol there is, uh, you know, we, we try and make different comparisons to, to other players that have been successful and successful in their, their contract negotiations as well. Correct. And so, I mean, whether we, whether we use, uh, you know, various stats, we try and, you know, make an argument that, okay, this, this player that we represent deserves, you know, X amount of money because he's, he's done this on the floor and players that have done, you know, comparable uh, production have earned this much. And so like, that's sort of the starting point. And then you kind of work from there. Uh, obviously there's, there's a million different scenarios of, of creating leverage, you know, whether it's just loyalty with the team or you know, whatever it might be. But uh, you know, the first step would be trying to find some comps with other players that, that have big contracts. Um, as far as targeting clients, um, you know, I think there was, there was a different mindset depending on, on, on my, uh, my setup with the agency. I mean, I work for some, some agencies that really prioritize guys that could generate a lot of marketing. So you're looking at lottery picks, first round picks, 
uh, by the time I, I, I got, um, I had my own company, I took a little bit of a different approach. Like my business model was, um, you know, less risky, uh, low overhead. And so I really targeted second round picks and fringe NBA players where I could find diamonds in the rough, not have to spend as much money on them with pre-draft expenses and, and stuff like that. So it's sort of, um, you know, I needed to sign more players, kind of get more irons in the fire, hoping they stick. But, you know, it was much less risk because I didn't have to spend nearly as much money. And so really just kind of depends on what your, what your outlook is. Matt, I did lie. I have one last so, uh, right. question for you, pal. When I watch the draft, and I'm a big hoops guy, I watch high school ball, college ball, uh, NBA ball, uh, overseas ball. Can you explain how does how do guys like – Steph Curry slide all the way to the seventh pick. Clay Thompson slide all the way to like the twelfth pick. Draymond Green slide to the second round. When guys have these productive college careers, why do, in your mind, why do they slide so much? Because to me, their great college careers should translate pretty well into the league, you know? Right, right. I mean, I think with Steph, um, you know, his lack of size, athleticism, and, and he was really looked at as more of as the shooting guard rather than a point guard. Um, and so I, I think that's why, I don't say he slipped, but I think that's why he just, you know, he, he didn't go, you know, number one or whatever, uh, just because there were some question marks and he addressed those question marks. I mean, he hasn't had one issue being a point guard, even though he's more of a scorer. I mean, you know, I don't think anybody would say that's a concern at this point, right? Um, yeah. And with Clay, I mean, you know, he went to a slightly smaller school at Washington State, uh, was a little bit of a late bloomer. I mean, he wasn't a guy that, you know, got got to Washington State in his freshman year, just, you know, you know, took the took the world by storm or anything like that. He's just a good player that translated well, that continued to get better. Um, and then Draymond, you know, I mean, more of an undersized power forward, really. You know, even though he was a little he was he was, you know, kind of categorized as a tweener, uh, and the way the game has sort of evolved, which is a big part of the Warriors' success, uh, is because they used him differently. And at that time I think there was question marks of hey, what's his role? You know, and uh in all three of those guys, it worked out pretty nicely for them, right? Right. Right. My fight, and to piggyback off of my partner now. I think he liked too that. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I, I, I like too. Um, anyway, New York Hoops, always been known as the, the mecca, the place to go play basketball, right? And we've been hearing a debate now over the past couple of years that, oh, no, it's Chicago now is the, you know, the hoops capital. Los Angeles is the hoops capital. You know, in, in your mind, what, what's your, what's your take on where where is the hoops capital in the United States? Well, I mean, I think historically, you got you got to say New York City, right? Uh, you know, I think in recent years, it's definitely taken a dip in talent. I think the combination of things that, from my understanding, is the grassroots in New York is all kind of helter skelter at the moment, and I think that's affecting some of the development of talent. Uh, then also, like the prep the prep school. Uh, you know, circuit is, is affected too, because a lot of the talent that is coming out of New York isn't staying in New York. And so maybe you have a little bit more of the talent staying in, you know, a city like Chicago or LA, um, where, you know, New York seems like they're getting, getting pickpocketed of their talent a little bit. And, uh, I definitely think it's down, but I mean, historically, I, I, would, I would put New York as, as the king of, of talent. Uh, and hopefully they could kind of get it, get it back to where it once was. I hope you're not just saying that because we're from New York. No, 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 not at all. Uh, I guess I won't. I guess I won't mention that I'm a Red Sox fan too. It's oh, okay. It's all right. Oh, hey, listen, I'm a, I'm a Yankees fan, so that's no, all right. I'm, I'm just teasing you. You guys will probably get, get us pretty good this year. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, with this whole lockout situation. Sure. You know, so 
we'll definitely see what happens. Matt, how do the people follow you on social media? Uh, yeah, I think the best spot is probably Twitter. Uh, is, my, my handle is at uh, Matt Babcock 11. Our company uh, handle is at uh, Babcock Hoops. And then our website's babcockhoops.com. Matt, we appreciate you taking the time and dropping some gems. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for taking some time. Thank you. Continue to be safe and continue to stay safe, pal. Thank you so, so much, man. Hey, thanks, guys. Take care. Absolutely. Always welcome back on the show, man. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, that was the one and only Matt Babcock of Babcock Hoops. Great conversation with a lot of NBA draft talk. Glad he could make some time, well. Absolutely. Not only did we learn about the NBA draft, but we got to see what goes on during negotiations. We get to hear about what goes on during negotiations, what scouts look for in a player, and just overall, just great basketball talk from a guy that's a basketball lifer. And that's something that we need more of. So, Matt, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate you. And like I said, you're welcome back on the show anytime, man. Yeah, thank you. Take care. All righty. Will, any final thoughts, pal? No final thoughts here. Just uh, just in general, another great job by you, Sean, getting these guests. You've been on a roll with these guests for sure. And, you know, hey, when this is over, I might have to buy you a steak dinner. <laughs> you know, but, Thank you know, my favorite, man. absolutely. Hey, there you go. So you pick, you pick the spot, me and you will go. Let's do it, man. Uh, absolutely. No uh, final thoughts, though. Yeah, uh, no final thoughts for me. Just want to give Matt a shout out for uh, coming on. I've been trying to get Matt on the last, like, uh, a couple weeks. But, you know, obviously, you know, with basketball and news just keep on, you know, going in and out, you know, um, shout out to him for making some time today. So no final thoughts for me, Will, and uh, great job by you. That was a great final uh, – that was a great couple final – uh, questions um, by you, Will, you know, seeing what he l- looks for when he's uh, scouting a guy. Yeah. And the last one you said, and also, I mean, no, because, and, but, well, Matt makes a very good, good point. These, the best players from uh, New York, once they enter the AAU yeah. circuit, the yep. powerhouse schools from Virginia, Connecticut, Florida, California, they, grab at these guys so it's all it's all about individual it's all about trying to go after the individual trying to go out there and try and get that you don't see the team game anymore really and that's what the nba is just basically all about at this point in time and you know you you see that you see that from everybody so it's it's the truth it's definitely the truth man you know so sean i like i said i have no final thoughts just great show today Great show and shout out to Matt. So, for my co-host William Shucci, aka Rose, and for our featured guest Matt Babcock of Babcock Hoops, I'm your host Sean Thomas, aka Sean on the mic, signing off for On the Board Sports. Continue to be safe, continue to stay safe, and continue to be well. Peace out. Love you all.